0: Well, it's great to be here, great to see you all. Um, we're in a, in a teaching series at the moment uh, called The Christmas Surprise, four weeks in the lead up to our, our carol service and uh, looking at the fact that the first Christmas was very much a surprising event. It was not the kind of thing that people would have expected. And last week, Vouter looked at the idea of um, the surprising plan of Christmas, the fact that the plan that God had for the first Christmas was a surprising one. And today we're looking at the topic of surprising songs, surprising songs. And Christmas and singing kind of go hand in hand, don't they? You get to mid-October and Michael Bublé's blaring out the speakers at every single supermarket and you can't escape it even if you try. Um, Christmas is a time of singing, it kind of goes hand in hand. And that's true of the first Christmas as well. But it was a different kind of song that was going on in the first Christmas. And we're gonna look at four of those songs today. We're gonna look at four songs that were sung at the first Christmas in Luke's Gospel. We'll be in Luke chapters one and two. If you've got your Bibles, you might wanna go there. And we're gonna look at four surprising songs of the first Christmas. What we sing matters. What we sing makes a difference to the way that we feel. It makes a difference to the way that we think. Have you ever noticed that? When you're singing happy songs, you tend to feel happy. When you sing sad songs, you tend to feel sad. It also shapes the way we think. I'm under no illusion today that the thing that's going to be going around your mind for the rest of the day is probably not the words that I'm preaching. It's probably the songs that we've been singing. There's something about songs that shapes the way that we think. And songs really matter to God. What we sing matters to God. So songs are everywhere in the Bible. It's a little bit of a clue that songs are a big deal for God. And uh, it's not like... God just loves singing in the abstract and it doesn't really matter what we're singing. So we could stand here on Sundays and say, it's all about me, it's all about me. No, no, that's not how it works. God, God cares about the kind of things that we sing, which is why we want to have songs that fix our gaze on him. And uh, what we're going to look at today hopefully can help us as we're thinking through what are the kind of songs that I'm going to be singing as an individual in my own times? What are the kind of songs we want to sing together? So we're going to learn both about Christmas and also thinking through what does it look what are the kind of songs we want to be singing particularly as we're looking to celebrate Christmas together so does that sound good okay well we're going to be in Luke's gospel so Luke chapters one and two and we're going to look at four songs by four different people and the first we're going to look at is a song that's sung by Mary Jesus's mother and this is in Luke chapter one we're going to read verses 46 to 55 and this comes off the back of Mary becoming aware that she's gonna give birth to the Messiah, to the King. And she's also heard that her relative Elizabeth is also gonna give birth and she's gonna give birth to John the Baptist. And so in response to hearing this, Mary sings a song and she sings a song of revolution. So the first kind of song we're gonna look at today is a song of revolution. And you might be able to spot which parts of this song sound quite revolutionary. So this is Luke chapter one, verses 46 to 55. Those who are proud in their own most thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Well, what a song. Christmas, we're thinking, well, good tidings, good cheer. And what we get is the first song of Christmas is a revolutionary song. It's a song of revolution. It's talking about the fact that Jesus, through Jesus, the mighty, the proud, the rulers are cast down and the humble are exalted. You think, that sounds like a revolution song. And Mary is aware, through God revealing it to her, that through her baby, the thing, God is going to take the things that this world is impressed with, power, might, wealth, and he's going to cast them down. And God is going to take the things that this world is not impressed with, the humble, the poor, the outcast, and he's going to raise them up. It's a revolutionary song. It tells us that the message of Christmas is a message that God is turning the tables. He's doing something revolutionary in that sense. And just to say at this point, this isn't primarily making a statement about the fact that leaders and governments are bad automatically and humble and poor, well, humble people are good, but poor people in and of themselves are always good. That's not the point that's being made. Obviously in the context that Mary is singing this song, those who were in power, those who were mighty, Caesar, Herod, they were very much the kind of arrogant, I wanna set myself up in the place of God kind of rulers. And Mary, this teenage virgin, is very much the kind of person who's aware of her dependence on God. So in this context, that makes sense but it's not a statement saying if you are a leader of any kind then you're automatically bad and God's going to cast you down and if you don't have much money then your, your heart is automatically a good heart. The point that's being made here is that there's a kind of attitude, a kind of person that God finds attractive. And A kind of person, a kind of attitude that God in his mercy resists. And the kind of attitude that God loves is the kind of attitude that says along with Mary I need God. I can't do this on my own. You read the story of Mary and how the angel appears to her and announces what's going to happen. Her response is to say, I'm your servant. I am the Lord's servant. I am aware I can't do this in my own strength. I am aware of my need for God. And do you notice that in Jesus' life, in his ministry, that's very much the kind of people that Jesus welcomes and accepts with open arms are the ones who come to him saying, I haven't got anything to offer. I need you. I'm aware of my weakness. I'm aware of how desperate I am. I need you. Sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who were, they were aware that they were outcasts. They were aware that they desperately needed Jesus and Jesus welcomes them. But those that Jesus pushes back, those that Jesus resists are those who come to him boldly stating that they don't need him. And God loves it when we come to him and when we realise we need him. That's the kind of heart that Jesus loves. It's the kind of heart he sees in Mary because the reason that we were created was to bring glory to God. And until we are doing that, we're ultimately never going to be fulfilled. If we make our lives all about trying to lift ourselves up and promote ourselves, we're going to find that counterintuitively, we're just going to end up being miserable because you can't get enough power, you can't get enough fame, you can't get enough prestige that actually brings you satisfaction. Why? Because you were meant to point to an even bigger fame. You were meant to point to an even bigger glory. And so God in his, in his mercy, in a sense, resists the attitude that says, I want to lift myself up. And he welcomes the attitude that says, I need Jesus. And so this song challenges us. Are we, am I, are you growing in our awareness that we need Jesus. I'm so aware of that at the moment. Just aware recently of how impatient I am. We're not in kind of family family situations. Just aware, I need Jesus. I can't do that. I can't live life and honour God on my own. I can't do that. And I think Jesus has kind of just been showing me, you need me. (laughs) You need me. You can't do this on your own. And so one of the questions is, how do we grow? in doing that and one of the ways that we grow the main way is actually not by looking at our own lives and looking at the areas where like okay where's the humility where's the pride it's actually by looking to Jesus this is what Paul does in Philippians 2 he is trying to encourage his church to be humble and the way he does it is to say have this mind amongst yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus and then writes one of the most amazing poems theologically dense poems in the world talking about the fact that Jesus humbled himself even though he was God and has now been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And when we are becoming more and more impressed with Jesus, we become less and less delusioned about how great we might be. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how impressive we might look on a human level, all of us are in desperate, desperate need of Jesus. And some people perhaps realise it more than others and people like Mary very much did and some people don't realise it, people like Herod and Caesar. But the reality is we all are desperately in need of Jesus. And so one of the ways that we can grow in that is actually by the songs that we sing. By the songs that we sing, whether that's on your own or together. What, let's make sure that we sing songs that make us impressed with Jesus, that make us impressed with his greatness, that make us impressed with his humility, The kind of humility that says, I'm going to lower myself and become obedient to the point of death on a cross, even though I did not have any need to do that. I don't owe anyone anything, but I'm going to humble myself to the point of death. Let's sing songs that remind us of that, that have that mix of the greatness of God and the wonder of what He's done in the gospel. And as we do that, you find that it's very hard to focus on yourself. It's very hard to be thinking, Aren't I great? you find yourself thinking, isn't Jesus amazing? Let's sing songs like, as we're coming up to Christmas, I'm going to use a carol for each of these, each of these points, but let's sing songs like, hark the herald angels sing. There's a verse in there that says, Christ by highest heaven adorned, adored, Christ the everlasting laws. Wonderful, glorious, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The heights of heaven. Hail him, but comes down to the depths of despair. What a God. What a saviour worth worshipping. Let's sing songs that remind us of him and we'll find ourselves more and more in a place where we go, I need you, Jesus. I can't do it on my own. And that's a heart that God loves if you come to him with that kind of heart, he will welcome you with open arms. His grace extends towards those who recognise, I need him. Let's become more and more like that. So the first Christmas had, a song, had songs of revolution. Secondly, the first Christmas had songs of faithfulness. Now we're gonna read a song that was sung or a poem that was said by Zechariah. He's the, the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born a few months before Jesus. And when John was born, This is what Zechariah says. He prophesies a moment of praise, which you could kind of sing as a song. This is Luke chapter one, verses 68 to 75. Zechariah says this, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before before him all our days. Christmas reminds us that God is faithful and Zechariah realises that as he's holding his baby, what does he say? I'm sure he did say stuff like, oh my goodness, he looks just like me and so on. But that's not recorded here. What's recorded is the fact that he holds his baby and he prophesies that God has been faithful to promises that he made hundreds of years before. He reminds himself, God made a promise to David that there would be a descendant who reigns on his throne forever. He reminded himself, God has made promises through the prophets that he would redeem his people. He reminded himself that God had made promises to Abraham that through his descendants, the nations would be blessed. 2,000 years before this moment, God made that promise. And Zechariah is holding his baby and is looking at the fulfillment of God's promises. And he's saying, God has been faithful. And maybe for some of us today, the last two years have made us waver in terms of is God faithful? Is God trustworthy? Stuff that's happened, whether that's COVID, personal situations, things you've witnessed where you think, can I genuinely trust God that he's faithful? Is he really going to do the things he's promised? Some of you may be living with unfulfilled promises in your life, whether that's stuff you read in scripture you think, I'm not seeing that in my life or words that God has brought prophetically that you think, how, how on earth is this going to come about? How on earth is this going to be fulfilled? I don't understand it. I'm sure Zechariah probably felt that as well. He probably felt 2,000 years after the promise to Abraham, I've not seen anything yet. Is God actually going to be faithful? And in this moment, as he's holding his baby, he realises, yes, God is faithful. God is being faithful. And so as you yourself are wrestling with those moments, remind yourself of, these, of this song. If God has been faithful in the 2,000-year promises, he can be faithful within your own life. He can be faithful to what he's promised for you. So let's sing songs that remind us of the faithfulness of God. Sing songs that remind us of his faithfulness to us as individuals. That's important. But let's also, like Zechariah, sing songs that remind us of the big faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God in sending Jesus and fulfilling promises that he had made centuries before. And as we do that, we find ourselves, again, our minds drawn to who God is, what he's done. And we find ourselves, our faith increasing that he's able to fulfill his promises in our lives. Let's sing songs like, let's go for another Christmas carol. Angels from the Realms of Glory has got a verse which, imagine Israel waiting for centuries for the Messiah. It's got a wonderful verse in this that says, saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Just imagine, the faithful Israelites going, is God going to redeem his people? Is he going to be faithful? Suddenly, the Lord descending in his temple shall appear. God has been faithful in Jesus. Let's sing songs that remind us of his faithfulness. Thirdly, the surprising songs of the first Christmas were songs of peace. We're going to read a very famous song that was sung this time by the angels. This is after the birth of Jesus, and the angels have announced that Jesus was born to shepherds in the field near Bethlehem. And once they've announced that, they break into praise and they sing this. This is in Luke chapter 2, verse 14 Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Jesus has come to bring peace. The Prince of Peace is his name. And that's one of the things that I think the world is very aware of is the fact that we need peace. We need inner peace. Um, there's anything that the last two years have taught us is that the human human emotions and human mental health is very very fragile all you need is something that ta- sweeps the carpet from underneath your feet and suddenly your whole world goes into turmoil and jesus has not necessarily come in this age to bring all of your problem take all of your problems away he's not necessarily come to rid you of all of those emotions but he has come to bring peace in the midst of the storm He's come to be that anchor, that when everything is tossing you around, you think, I can stand firm, and actually there's a sense of peacefulness in the midst of the storm, because I know Jesus. Jesus has come to bring inner peace. He's also come to bring peace from war. This is something we're reminded of every November with Remembrance Day, but it's not something we really see on our doorstep. You'll remember the news very recently about Afghanistan and the Taliban um, reinvading and the war and refugees and so on. You think if you live in that country, if you live in those kind of countries, you're looking out of your window thinking, when is war going to end? When is war going to cease? And the good news is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come to bring an end to war. Isaiah 2 and Micah 4 have got a wonderful prophecy that says, the day is going to come when nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, that tanks are going to be turned into agricultural items. Don't you long for that day? Well, you're not turning your television on and seeing another war breaking out, but the Prince of Peace is reigning over all things. But as amazing as that is, inner peace and ends of war, the lack of inner peace and war are actually symptoms of a much bigger problem. And if Jesus were to come simply to bring us inner peace and to bring an end to war, it would be a little bit like putting a plaster on top of a giant, gaping, infected wound because there's a deeper problem. And the main problem, the main area of peace that we desperately need as human beings, the Bible tells us, is peace with God. the Bible tells us that without Jesus, humanity is at war with God, that we are enemies of God, that we've rebelled against our Creator. We need peace with God. That's our greatest need. Everything else, every other kind of peace, every kind of other true peace flows from that, from peace with God. And this song of Christmas reminds us Jesus has come to bring peace between humanity and God. And that for everyone here who is in Christ, those of us who are reconciled to Jesus, who have accepted Jesus as Lord, this is true. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, you are no longer at enmity with God. You are no longer at war with God. You have been reconciled. You're part of the family. And perhaps some of you here are not followers of Jesus. You've kind of come along. You're very, very welcome. We love having you here, but you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And perhaps as I've been talking, you've realised, I need to be reconciled to God. I'd never realised that before, but now I'm realising I need, I need reconciliation with my creator. The amazing news is that this baby born 2,000 years ago, who is now the Lord of the universe, Jesus, has come to bring peace between humanity and God. So if that's you, I would love to talk to you later, or maybe you can come and find one of the, one of the elders And we would love to introduce you to Jesus to explain what does it look like to follow him? What does it look like to be reconciled to God? But for the rest of us, let's sing songs that remind us that Jesus has brought peace. Let's sing songs like, again, I'm gonna quote Hark the Herald Angels Sing because it's just an amazing carol, but a different verse. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. Why? God and sinners reconciled. That is our ultimate hope, is the fact that we are no longer at enmity with God because he has brought us peace through Jesus. So surprising songs of Christmas are songs, first of all, songs of revolution, songs of faithfulness, songs of peace, and finally, and we'll finish with this, the surprising songs of the first Christmas are songs for the nations. And this is a song we're gonna read, this is in Luke chapter two again, and this is sung by a guy called Simeon. Simeon was an old man who was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. He was a faithful Israelite waiting for the Messiah to come. And he sees the baby Jesus, who is coming to the temple. He's a few weeks old and he's being dedicated. And when he sees Jesus, he grabs him and he says this. And this is in chapter two, verse 29 to 32. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles or nations and for and the glory of your people Israel. Surprising songs of Christmas are songs for the nations. Do you notice here what Simeon says when he sees the Messiah, he realises that this baby that he's holding is not just a light to individuals. It's not even just a light to Israel that is gonna to lead to them being restored. It's, he is a light to the nations. That the message And the person of Jesus is good news for everyone, for every single nation around the world. And Christmas reminds us of that. It reminds us that God is devoted and committed to seeing the nations turn back to him, including the UK. As far-flung reaches as the UK, God has planned to bring many from every nation back to him. And the amazing thing is that as Christ's presence lives in us, we become a light to the nations because we're reflecting the light of Jesus. Which is why, as a church, we are so passionate, and we go on and on about it, we're so passionate about building a diverse, multicultural church. Because we're aware that there are so many nations represented in Peterborough, and we don't want to just become a British church because we don't really live in a British city, we live in a multicultural city. And so we wanna see the nations within Peterborough reached. And there are a number of people already within our ranks who come from other nations and we love having you here, we really do. Those of us from a majority culture, the majority culture of um, being British, I realise that we're probably sometimes clumsy with the way we interact with like, different cultures. It can sometimes be a bit clumsy, but it's so good. We love having people from different nations who live in Peterborough be part of us. And don't you wanna see people saved from all of the nations represented in Peterborough? That's what we wanna see. So we wanna see that within our own city, but we also wanna see that in terms of sending people out, which is why we've over the years sent multiple people to different nations to do the work of God, whether that's planting churches, whether that's doing good works with the poor. We've sent the Giles out to Zimbabwe. We've sent the Rawls out to Mozambique. We're gonna be sending the Fertigals out next year to Nijmegen in Holland so that they can plant a church and see the good news of Jesus spread to the Dutch. We want to get behind that. This isn't something that they are doing. This is something that we're doing together because we want to be a church that realises the message of Christmas, the good news of Jesus, is for all of the nations. And so part of my question to us and to you is, what about you? I'm sure that in a room this size, there's probably a number of us who are carrying particular nations on our heart. And for some of us, that might never mean moving. That might mean praying. That might mean looking to see people from that particular people group rescued and saved for Jesus within Peterborough. But for some of us, it may well mean moving. And maybe this morning is just an opportunity. You might not have any of the details or anything, but you might just have a nation on your heart. And maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to go, I'm willing, God. God, I am willing. You, You name the place and I will do it because I believe that this is good news for all of the nations. And so can I kind of encourage you, if that's something that you're carrying within your heart, maybe just take this morning as an opportunity to, to commit that to God and say, I'm willing, Lord. Here, As Isaiah says, here I am, send me, which is a wonderful thing to be saying to God. But let's also sing songs that remind us that Jesus has come to shine his light to all of the nations, where we're lifting our heads, again, off of the local. Local's good. But if we only ever have our heads in the local we'll forget that jesus is about a work for all of the nations so let's sing songs that remind us of that songs like and we're gonna we're gonna finish by singing this song together but let me read some of the words out first joy to the world which um, by the way i discovered this week had my mind blown apparently this wasn't actually written as a christmas song i only realized that this week i think it's a great christmas song because it works for christmas as well apparently it's written about the second coming of jesus which means this verse I find such a wonderful encouragement. He says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. There's a day coming when Jesus returns when the fact that there are people from all nations who love Jesus is going to prove the righteousness and the love of the wonderful Saviour that we worship. So let's sing the kind of songs that remind us of that. Let's sing songs that remind us as the songs of the first Christmas were. Let's sing songs that remind us that, the, that Christmas is a time of revolution. That Christmas is a time where God demonstrates his faithfulness. Where Christmas is a time where God, where we have been reconciled at peace with God. And let's sing songs that remind us that Jesus is about seeing the good news go to all of the nations. Why don't we stand and why don't we respond by singing joy to the world together and worship our Saviour.